every generation, there is a chosen podcast. It alone will analyze the subtext, the allegory, and the clever Whedon-esque dialogue. It is Conversations with Dead People. Welcome to Conversations with Dead People. I'm your host, Paul Smith, and with the help of guests from the worlds of fandom and academia, I explore the comics, films, and television series that have spun out of the creative minds in, around, and beyond the Whedonverse. Uh, and with me this week, author, scholar, friend, and Cons with Dead fan favorite Elizabeth Rambo makes her Angel Conversations debut. Elizabeth, welcome back. Thank you. I'm glad to be making my uh, first appearance or voice appearance talking about Angel. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, you're one of the heavy lifters of the podcast. I feel like I should have had you on Angel before we got to the the end of season one. But um, that's perfectly all right. I think you had some great guests. It's fine. <laughs> I, I have better. I don't want to take anything away from previous guests, but finally things are as they should be you're back on the show um, it has been i feel like we should do a little catching up it's been almost a year since the last time you and i recorded uh, yeah i think that's right i mean a lot of that goes down to the fact that my recording schedule on this podcast um i think it was only i think the last episode you were on was 64 so that's only 11 episodes um yeah and since this is supposed to be <laughs> laughingly i still pretend that this is a weekly or bi-weekly podcast you'd think almost a year there should be way more than 11 episodes but just blame it on covid everything uh, absolutely absolutely but speaking of covid how are you weathering it um i've been all right uh fortunately i'm very grateful for that and um so getting along okay I've had kinds of precautions in my job that I'm grateful for. I don't live in one of those insane states. Sorry, um, <laughs> <laughs> like the one I live in. Yes, um, but it's it's tough enough though with the isolation and yeah things like that. Um, but I got to, I spent the day today with my uh, sister and my great nephews. Nice. Who are, great little kids so that i really was grateful for that time nice very cool um yeah i mean we don't need to go into the horrible state that my state is <laughs> in uh alabama is not uh not doing well and it's their mm -hmm. own damn fault but i personally am doing fine vaccinated i still yep. wear i still wear masks everywhere i go yes uh i have I've given up going to the movie theaters, theoretically, I mean, ostensibly for all of time, because I just don't think it's ever going to, I don't know if I'll ever be comfortable uh, going to a packed movie theater again, which 
I mean, in part that makes me sad, but then the other part of me is like, I didn't really like hanging out with people anyways. So <laughs> I did risk going to the movie theater to see the green Knight, which is it's in my area. Yeah. The area of medieval. So I felt like I really needed to see it. I, I, uh, the I world, you know, I could have waited until it got to DVD at some point. But. Well, that was my plan. And then someone made me aware that, uh, that, that a 24 is streaming at once. Yes. Tomorrow night. And so I bought I bought virtual tickets for that. So I will be watching that tomorrow night, just okay. not in the theater. Well, I'll be interested to hear what you think. Because I was I was very much looking forward to that movie. And it kind yeah. of th that was one. There have been a couple movies where I've been like, do I want to go back to the theater for this? Uh, and fortunately, so far, the ones that have really tested my resolve have been streamable in one yeah. way or another. So. We'll see. The real test will be the, the first time one of these movies comes out that I'm desperate for, and they are just refusing to stream it. And I will have to decide if I'm going to wait six months or if I'm going to go to the theater. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Anyways. Um, okay. What's that? Let's talk about Angel. Yes, absolutely. So um, I've changed my intro a little bit. Uh, I just mentioned the Whedon verse. I didn't really specify exactly what we're doing. So this pod over the course of this podcast, we've already gone through all the way through Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So now we're into Angel. Uh, Elizabeth is joining me tonight to wrap out season one of Angel. Uh, we're going to be covering three episodes. We're doing episodes 120 Warzone, 121 Blind Date, and the big one, uh, the big Megillah 122 to Shanshu in L.A. Um so before we start our conversation about that, let me throw in a little spoiler warning in case this is anyone's first episode for some reason. Uh, in this show, we are going to be discussing the plots, characters, and themes of each of these episodes in depth and also within the context of the series as a whole, which means we're going to spoil lots of things, probably all of the things about these episodes, about this show, maybe about everything that Whedon has ever been involved with. Who knows? There will be spoilers. So... If that concerns you, pause, go watch literally everything in the Whedonverse just to be safe and come back and listen to this when you're ready. Uh, but with that out of the way, uh, let's go to work. Uh, so let's start off with episode 120. Um, this wasn't really a concern for me uh, because I've, I've watched Angel all the way through enough to mm -hmm. know to remember that I really liked these three episodes, but coming off of episodes 118 and 119, uh, five by five and sanctuary, two of my highest rated episodes, like yeah. of all of them, uh, I, there was a tiny bit of me that was concerned that these, that this conversation was going to be a little bit of a letdown, but I mean, we'll see how you feel. Um, I don't think that was the case. Uh, I really enjoyed these three as much or maybe even more than I remembered. So mm -hmm. st starting off with Warzone, which originally aired uh, May 9th, 2000. It was written by Gary Campbell and directed by David Strayton. Um, I'll go to you first. How'd you feel about Warzone? Well, I have to admit that it had been a long time since I watched these episodes. Mm -hmm. um, I haven't been watch. I've been listening to the podcast. I have been watching rewatching with you so um it had been a long time since i've watched these and i'd forgotten i mean i think these are great episodes 
Um, I think they kind of form a, like a three-part uh, finale for the season. Mm-hmm. Um, they introduce some uh, key characters, especially Gun. Absolutely. So I was really thrilled to see that this War Zone is the episode that introduces Gun. Yeah. And sort of begins to make him part of the team. Um, it also introduces uh, uh, David Nabbitt, which breaks my David heart. Nabbitt, who I feel like they kind of wanted to make him. From what I the... from what I understand, they the intention was that he was going to be at least recurring, if not like one of the sort of regular background characters. But yeah. David Herman, the actor that plays him, had such a busy schedule he couldn't commit, and so ultimately yeah. we only end up getting David Nabbitt for a total of three episodes. Um, before he's yeah, finally no longer I think on the they, show. You know, the idea was clearly to make him kind of a, uh, an, an angel for Angel's team, yeah. the financial backer. Yeah. And so forth. But, I mean, I'm sure at some point they would have had to figure out how to write his billions and billions of dollars out <laughs> so that he couldn't just solve every single problem by throwing money at it. But, yeah, that's a good problem. Uh, but anyways, I, I love that character and it, it's mm-hmm. so sad that we don't get more of him, but yeah. Um, but yeah, gun, man, we get, uh, J August Richard makes his debut yeah. as Charles gun, um, who is a, if this is all we ever got of him still a pretty cool character, but fortunately, yeah. so very fortunately, uh, this is not all that we're going to end up getting of gun. He becomes uh, one of the heavy hitters of the show. Right. Yeah. Um, and he's he's doing a great job with his his uh, gang of vampire slayers. Mm-hmm. You almost feel like maybe is there going to be something mystical about him? Could he, you know, could there be something? I I'm not sure if the the mythology was well enough developed by that time. But yeah. in hindsight, you think oh this would have been cool if they developed, you know, if he'd been somebody like Robin Wood or something like that. But yeah, yeah, he yeah. Just had- he just has a grudge. <laughs> well, I mean, this is a spoiler podcast, so if I'm not mistaken, I'm trying to remember the details of it. Uh, we find out in a later season that, oh, what was it? I think it. I think he got his truck, like that fancy truck that he has. Mm-hmm. I think he did something, I'll just use air quotes and say unusual, uh, to acquire that truck. So, like, I don't think... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't turn out to be like a demon in disguise or anything like that, but there is just the tiniest little bit more to him than that's true than yeah. uh, there appears to be. But and of course, by the end of this episode, he really does have he has even greater grudge against vampires because of his sister. Yeah, turned so. Um, in fact, well, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but that scene where his sister is turned uh-huh. really reminded me of. The scene where, um, the scene with uh, Spike's mother, who makes a speech to him about how, oh, you know, you have no, no guilt, right. no nothing, it's wonderful, you yeah. know, we can be together forever. And Gunn's reaction, of course, is, I don't want that at all. You'd think Spike's would be also like, this is what I want. And he said, uh, this wasn't how I thought things would turn out. Yeah. 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 So both of them end up killing their family member. Who's a vampire. Um, 
Yeah, and I don't know enough about uh, J. August Richards' career before this. I know, I know he was working before this, but um, still, for his first appearance as a character that he had every reason to believe was just a walk-on. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't think he knew at this time, at this point, that he was gonna end up becoming a regular. Um, I th- his performance was great, yeah. uh, especially in that scene where he's really like emoting through the reveal that his sister has been turned and yeah and he plays it like the emotion is so devastating that you know if you're watching it for the first time you could easily believe that he's he's falling for her spiel like he's so destroyed that he might actually let her turn him or whatever but Mm -hmm. of course the gun that we all know and love uh would not do that but yeah and I love his first scene. So uh, he, the very first shot we get of him is uh, him striding into the alley, uh, into the dead alley, the dead end alley with all the vampires. And the camera yeah. just starts at his boots and pans up and you see the leather coat and you see the sword in the hand or whatever. And so, I mean, of course, you're just assuming you're it's an angel. angel. And then his first line is, you were expecting somebody else? Yeah. I mean, he says... Yeah, the, the vamp says, you... Yeah, that's right. And so you, we were all thinking angel, and no, it's gun. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's great. Great uh, opening, uh, cold open. I'm trying to remember when this happened, uh, but there's a point in this episode where, oh, man, I wish I'd taken a note of what it was in response to. But at one point, Cordelia very pointedly says, you're welcome, and like shuts the door on some, I don't remember what that was, but um, I'm sure she says the words you're welcome many, many times over the course of the series. (laughs) But just in that particular moment, I don't know the way she said it. And and there was something in my head and I was like, Ooh, that's really, that's kind of chilling considering where this character goes over the course of the series. And, and you know, how we, and of course this is, this is the episode. Um, Sorry, it's not this episode. It's the next one, I think. But no, it's the last one. Um, but we're starting to see her. These visions of hers are starting to, you know, have effects. Yeah. And she's not. I don't think the others are really appreciating what she's going through with the visions. No, and uh, actually, I mean. You could almost make the argument that she's kind of not appreciating it. What's kind of the point? I mean, we're just oh, yeah. we're just going to end up talking about all three of these back and forth, I'm sure. But uh, you know, by by the end of season one, I, the whole point kind of is that she's had such an experience with these visions now that she like it's really sunk in. Like she she really gets it now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, she in the first two first two of these three episodes the the visions and how painful they are they're just they're an inconvenience yeah. they're a, they're a pain yeah literally but um she just views them as something like oh this is an imposition um this is something that's been put on me we have to do something about it but i don't enjoy it yeah um so I'm trying to think basically all three of these episodes. I mean, you could say all five of these episodes, if we go back and include the, the 
two-part faith mm-hmm. arc. Um, but this is these three episodes really are wrapping up the season, sort of, <laughs> sort of resetting the stage for what is basically it's almost like a restart for season yeah. two. Oh, absolutely. Um, you can you really get the sense like this one obviously is introducing. Uh, they might have meant two, but turns out to be one very significant character that is very important to the series by mm-hmm. by next season. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, in the next couple episodes, we're going to start seeing Wolfram and Hart get really, really fleshed out. Yeah. Uh, finally start getting kind of the, the screen time that they deserve and being set up as what we might have all uh, suspected, but they're really making they're really making the subtext text in that Wolfram and Hart are the big bads of the mm-hmm. series, which I'm trying to remember. Um, obviously Angel also features season specific big bads. Well, not season one. I don't think there was a season one <laughs> big well, no, bad. I, I agree with you. There's not really one season one. And I think that's why these last three episodes are so important because kind of like angel is just kind of camping out yeah in most of season one it's like why am i here what am i doing is this just a you know vampire detective series where he has a, a you know a mystery or a, um, a client to help every episode but then once they introduce um in the shanshu scroll mm-hmm. then Okay. Yeah. Then there's there's a lot to talk about with that Shanshu, the Shanshu prophecy. So let's. Yeah. Uh, is there anything? Is there any other big stuff that comes out of Warzone? I, I. Let's let's talk about the unless you've got something. I, I was gonna say. Um, other than just the introduction of Gun, sort of the biggest thing for me, in this episode, was the. And and I think it was really meant to just be a, a quick sort of funny, quippy conversation, but the mm-hmm. talk that Cordelia has with Wesley towards the end, yeah, um, where she's talking about possibly prostituting herself to David Nabbit, <laughs> yeah. Um, so that conversation, it began uh, with her and Wesley lamenting how awful, you know, Gunn and his friends had, you know, how awful their lives were and. And uh, at one point in the episode, she even makes the comment about how, you know, 20 minutes away from, I don't remember what fancy thing she said, like, mm-hmm. I don't remember what she said, but kids going to war or whatever. So they have this little conversation about how terrible those kids have it. Yeah. Um, uh, and how it's worse than even her, her, her first apartment. Like she even makes the comment about how, and their hideout, man, I thought my apartment, my first apartment was bad or whatever. Mm-hmm. And Wesley says, you know, it certainly gives one perspective, but then it ends on the funny beat of her lamenting how poor she is. Mm-hmm. Like she talks about, I don't I, I didn't write down the dialogue, but it goes out on the funny beat of her saying something along the lines of, you know, oh, woe was me. I still I have it so hard or whatever. Right. And it's, it's becomes trivialized to a certain extent. I mean, Wesley uh, is, um, commenting about he's gotten some coffee with an exaggerated right. foam on it. this is a coffee and he brushes them all it's first world problems yes 
yeah. compared to they've just been worried about the um, the needs of people around them and then they come back to themselves. Yeah, yeah. Um, because, and David Nabbitt has just given them an, apparently an obscenely huge check for their work for him. Which I don't um, remember if it's ever explicitly stated anywhere in the show, but I assume that by the end of this season, all that money's accounted for. <laughs> like, however many zeros they too. got on that check, they probably They're went through it at all. the beginning of season two, probably, to buy it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the hospital bills and everything, too, so. Oh, right, yeah. But. Um, well, I think an even more significant uh, just scene is the next one, where Angel meets with Gunn, mm-hmm. who says he the only re- his reason for fighting was his sister and so what is he going to do now and um what he says to angel what is your reason for fighting and angels just says well what else am i going to do it's like okay this is what he's always done ever since he mm-hmm. reformed ever since he got his soul back um gun i don't need no help um, and Angel says, well, I might. So a great line. Yeah. The idea of, okay, maybe he's going to ask for Gunn's help again. But also this idea that Angel says, what else am I going to do? He doesn't really have a purpose. It's just like, I fight the yeah. bad guy, but why? Right. He, so that's setting up the next yeah. two episodes. Um, okay, well, let's so let's go ahead and start moving on. Um, let me zip through this really quickly to see if there were any funny or poignant quotes that I saved out. I mean, there's Cordelia's typically cordy choice of words. I like David. It's such a strong masculine name. It just feels good in your mouth. Yes, <laughs> it's like a lot of feels good flirt, in your mouth. Flirting with uh, David Nabbit. Yeah. Because he knows he's rich. Yeah. Um, Look, I'm the boss here, and I say when we use the cell phones. That was great. <laughs> a great line from from Angel. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Although, oh, th- go oh, ahead. I was going to say, I did think, though, that probably I would be surprised if in 2000, was it? Yeah. I would be surprised if his cell phone got reception that's, down there. That's very true. That's very true. Even with them just on the other side of the door, probably not. Yeah. Um. There was a sign in Gunn's hideout. Um, I had to pause and rewind several times to get all of it, but it said, it just whatever space they were using, there was a sign that said, safety and sanitary equipment must be worn in the sausage stuffing room. <laughs> it's like, that's I, just taken out of any context. That's hilarious. It is. Um, all right. Well, let's, uh, let's move on to the middle episode of this sort of trilogy. Uh, episode 121, Blind Date. Mm-hmm. Original air date, May 16th, 2000. Uh, written by Janine Renshaw, directed by Thomas J. Wright. Um, and just like last episode, introduced a very important character. This episode introduces a very important character. As we we finally meet uh, Holland Manners. Okay, so this is this is the first episode in which we meet Holland. Yes, okay. yes. It's not the first episode in which Lindsay appears. So. Correct. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, Lindsay was in the very first episode. That's uh, right. That's right. Uh, but he wasn't named, 
And then I just talked with Eric about this last week. I couldn't remember if he'd been in any episodes between then and the faith arc, because he pops back up in the faith arc. Right. Um, and that's where we find out his name. Mm-hmm. Um, so this might just be his, I think this is maybe just his third appearance, but uh, uh, Lindsay's that is. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, this was the first time Sam Anderson, the, the, the wonderful actor, Sam Anderson, who has such a storied career playing so many different characters. Yeah. I really, I think he's on almost on a level with um, uh, Harry Graining as a villain who seems so <laughs> yes. suave and polite. And I can't, I, and he's going to kill you. I can't believe, I don't think that I personally have ever thought of it as, Holland Manners is the, the, uh, oh my gosh, what was the mayor's name? Mayor. I just, I always call him the mayor. I always call, call him the mayor. Holy. Anyways, I, I don't think I've ever thought of that as this is Angel's version of the mayor, but that's, that's great. Cause yeah, they, they both have the, uh, I mean, Holland is a, perhaps a little more, <laughs> just obviously sinister at times, but maybe that's just cause he's a lawyer and you just assume that, yes. <laughs> that those people are sinister, yeah, but yeah, I he's, agree. he's very, you know, he's very, um, seems to be at least very pleasant and sociable. And, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, this episode, we say hello to Holland Manners and we say goodbye to Lee Mercer. This is the final appearance of Lee Mercer. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, Thomas Burr. <laughs> Um, so what, uh, what are your thoughts about this one? This, this episode, I feel like this episode has gotten grief for being a monster of the week episode. That's just dropped into the middle of a very important thing. But I would argue that the monster of the week here is very, very like not even secondary Mm -hmm. (laughs) tertiary. Like we barely even need, um, Vanessa Brewer, the blind assassin in the story. Right. I mean, I think she's, she's interesting. Um, and I think the way Angel figures out to defeat her is interesting, mm-hmm. but the, kind of the plot hole is these three children. <laughs> right. What are they there for? They, who knows? They never turn up again in any way. Um, but the the point of this episode is to develop Lindsay's character. Right. Would you agree? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So and yeah. For so that, that so all the stuff with the blind yeah. assassins and the blind kids. I mean that that barely even qualifies as a MacGuffin. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's so like it, it's there to make you think. Oh, that's what this episode's about. But it's yeah. not. It's not. Yeah. And I don't know. It, you almost one might almost think that. Holland has set this up to test Lindsay. Lindsay, yeah. Yeah. Although that's not explicit, made explicit in any way. Um do you did you enjoy this episode? Um yeah, I did. Again, because I hadn't seen it for a while, so I was trying to figure out what is happening. Um but oh, one thing I really enjoyed about this episode was Gunn's role in it. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> um, how Gunn is, uh, it, he, I he's recruited when Angel tells him it'll be extremely dangerous and Gunn is right there. He says, okay. Yeah. But that's, the, that, is that sh- to Shanshu in LA or is that in this one? 
No, that's this one. Um. Oh, that's right. Oh, oh my gosh. Be dangerous. That's right. The walks in and gives this dramatic. performance of black outrage yes evil white folks really do have a mecca how could i oh my gosh i can't believe i forgot that i was like what did gun do in this episode only the hilarious (laughs) highlight yeah um yeah you sort of wish somebody had done that in buffy (laughs) (laughs) with the most explicit version we had of that was the mr trick talking about Sunnydale, not exactly a haven for the brothers. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh, I, f- I am so I'm so upset with myself that I <laughs> forgot all about that. Um, so, all right. Aside from that, just a treasure. Let's see what else did we get in this. We got um, we got well, Angel. So Angel has a crisis of faith in this episode. Rightly so. I think a crisis of faith that a lot of us <laughs> are having. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and in in so doing, I think he manages to almost com- almost do a little prophesy- prophesying. Is that the right word? Prophesying. Yeah. Yes. Um, he comes up with his own little prophecy. So he's uh, he's like muttering. He's very, he's really, really unhinged. <laughs> um about the the fact that you know these lawyers like it's their world you know that it's it's structured for power not truth you know it's their system Mm -hmm. it's one that works because there's no guilt no torment i remember what that felt like uh sometimes i miss that clarity yeah um so like in the moment on your first viewing of this you're you probably read that as i think maybe you're intended to as um it's meant to be like a really unnerving moment for Wesley and Cordelia. Yes. Um, but, uh, you know, hindsight or foresight or whatever, knowing where the series goes um, in season five, mm-hmm. it's almost like, I mean, obviously I, the writers didn't have season five plotted out this far in advance. So it, it's no. just, this is setting the stage that they can work with later. But mm-hmm. looking at this now, that is really sort of prophetic. Like it's really. Well, yeah. I mean, I think it's almost prophetic even of season two, which is where Angel really reaches his lowest point. Yeah. Um, literally. <laughs> yeah. Um, but this crisis is averted by Lindsay appearing and saying I I want your help I want to get out which seems like a glimmer of hope but that's ultimately not who Lindsay is Holland knows him better right he knows himself unfortunately so the cool thing the the magic trick that either the writers or uh Christian Kane the actor or more likely both of them together managed to pull off is that for new viewers, I think, and seasoned viewers alike, you find yourself, even knowing what a terrible person Lindsay is, <laughs> you find yourself rooting for him, or at least Absolutely. I did. I found myself like, even knowing what, who, what that character is and, and yeah. what's to come with that character. I, I was like, I was nervous for him when they were pulling sort of the heist in Wolfram and Hart and mm-hmm. 
like when when he's trying to convince Angel that you know he's had a change of heart and Angel is just not having it at all. I w- mm-hmm. I was getting a little just a tiny little bit defensive. And I think it's worth talking about the difference between Angel's reaction here with Lindsay and Angel's reaction just a couple episodes ago with Faith. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't have as much cognitive dissonance between those two moments as I feel like some viewers have, but some viewers have complained that, you know, just a little while ago you were all about giving people a second chance. And if someone asks for, you know, if someone wants to work for redemption, you're all about that. And here you're just mocking Lindsay every step of the way. How does that play for you? Hmm. I think part of the difference is where they're coming from. Hmm. I mean, faith is coming from, she acknowledges, especially after the that knockdown drag out that they have, mm-hmm. you know, where she really says she she castigates herself, she blames herself, she, you know, she really acknowledges her own mm-hmm. uh, wrongness, her failings, her her badness. Um, Lindsay never really does that. He just says, yeah. "I want to get out." Yeah. I mean, I think the, uh, the the first most obvious thing is the amount of time, like the amount of of like experience in the relationship that Angel has with these two characters. Like he barely yeah. knows Lindsay. Right. Also, Lindsay makes makes a lot of excuses. Right. Right. Uh, Faith he, does not make excuses for herself. Yes, and he actually and Angel actually had a history of trying to help Faith before. He recognized something in Faith early and tried to help her earlier. And so, anyway, so even just with the amount of time that he's known Faith versus the amount of time that he's known Lindsay, that I think makes sense. But you're absolutely right. His experience with Faith most recently, um, she clearly demonstrated, even as she was quote unquote trying to kill him, which it turns out obviously she wasn't. Like he 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 really picked up that this was her own twisted she would never say it this way you know quest for uh redemption or at least an end to her pain whereas Lindsay, um yeah you're right was absolutely sort of making excuses and and going all uh oliver twist on him with his his horrible upbringing and and whatever um but i am so wired (laughs) i'm so wired to like love the underdogs and want people to get a second chance or whatever that yeah that in that moment i was like oh come on angel just it was specifically when angel pretended like doze off or whatever um (laughs) and he was like oh i'm sorry i didn't even hear what you just said i was like oh angel come on not cool man (laughs) at least at least give him your attention but i I agree with you i was right there i said come on i would love for Lindsay to have a moment of redemption and get out of this yeah there you know but yeah it's not to be yeah um so holland has a great line i mean every every line of holland's is great but uh Mm -hmm. he has a line it's not about good or evil it's about who wields the most power yes which i which is a theme that runs through uh the entire series of angel i would i think 
Well, yes, but and two years later, it will be the theme of Buffy season yeah. seven. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Wesley has a line to Angel. Uh, I wish I could remember where this takes place in the episode. Um, he says, there is a design angel hidden in the chaos as it may be, but it's there and you have your place in it. Yeah. Um, what was that? Is is that um, is he all is that already because of the uh, the scroll? Because they get he gets the scroll in this episode. So the the yes the scroll of of Abergian I think is how that's pronounced. That's yes. Uh, yeah. So they pull the whole heist thing in Wolfram and Hart specifically to go in and get some files or whatever to deal mm-hmm. with the MacGuffin of the <laughs> blind assassin, um, and he feels this. Uh, scroll calling to him so a very 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 important piece of angel lore has just entered has just come on stage mm-hmm. um and wesley makes some early attempts at deciphering it in this episode and i can't remember the context in which that line was delivered but i i wrote it down i remember it being a very powerful thing and obviously it's the counterbalance to his earlier angels earlier fit about how it's hopeless. The lawyers will always win or whatever. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, Yes. So this, again, this is these three episodes really go together. This is the sort of pivot point Mm -hmm. where, and then we get to the last one where everything really starts happening. Um, One more speech of Holland's that really stood out to me and shows how he's, to me, shows his evil. Um, where he, uh, after the other lawyer, whose name I can't remember now, but you you mentioned the Lee, actor Lee Mercer. Lee, yeah, that, that's not the the act, the lawyer's name, but um, no, Lee Mercer is the lawyer's name. Uh, Thomas oh, Burr is the actor. Okay, thank you. Because um, it's Lee, Lindsay, and Lila. Oh, great. <laughs> yeah, uh, Holland sits. Lindsay down and gives him the talk like we we know you did this but we still think you have potential and in this speech he redefines love as not the romantic type of love I'm talking about that sharp clear sense of self a man gains once he's truly found his place in the world it's no mean feat since most men are cowards and just move with the crowd. It's kind of something you hear from someone who's a disciple of Ayn Rand or something mm. like that. So yeah. to me, I mean, I think that is, I mean, that's not what love is, but it is for Holland. <laughs> of course. Yeah. It's, um, it's pure selfishness. It's like, I am alone. I stand above other people there beneath me, you know, and that's what he's telling Lindsay. Absolutely. He sees in him this, this ability to crush other people. So, yeah. Okay. Um, and we'll, we'll see the culmination of that too in the next episode. Yes. Uh, so this episode one of the notes I made about this episode is that, um, first of all, just how 
even knowing what the series is and where it goes, still a little heartbroken that Lindsay had a choice, Yep, that it was a legitimate choice. And I believe that it actually was a moment where Lindsay could have made a choice either direction. Um, but you know, he, he makes the, what we all agree is the wrong choice. Yeah. Um, he takes the bait. Yes. Uh, but I, my note here is that just like another very significant moment for lawyers a little further down, in fact, is it next season? Is it Probably. season two or three? I can't, I can't remember if it's two or three. Um, uh, fate was determined here by the very ominous closing of double doors. Yes. I, yeah. I, I just. Oh, yeah. No, it's season two where there's. It's season two? Yeah. Yes, with with Holland, sure. I think. Isn't Holland in that room? Holland is in that room, okay, yes. Yeah. So yeah, I just thought that was interesting. The the this image of him of Lindsay closing Lindsay those doors. Closing those doors and he's inside. So he's saying, yeah. Yep, I'm gonna stay here. I'm gonna Yep. Yeah. Um Okay. Oh yeah, one more thing I wanted to say, since we're really just completely or I am completely just writing off that Vanessa Brewer blind assassin is who even cares. Um I mean they even they even just MacGuffined the kids out of the equation at the end. You yeah. know. The the Guardian came and took him and that's the last we ever hear of them. That's they they play a role in something that yeah. we never hear yeah. about. Um but uh, I wanted to mention that the actress Jennifer Badger Martin uh-huh. uh is a stunt performer, is a is a stunt person and specifically she was a very busy stunt person on Buffy. Uh Ooh. she did stunt doubling for Charisma Carpenter for Allison Hannigan. Uh, my God, my notes corrected Hannigan to Hannibal. That's weird. Um, <laughs> Emma Caulfield and Eliza Dishku, uh, most notably the Eliza Dishku, she did the scene where uh, in Graduation Day Part 2 when Buffy mm-hmm. stabs Faith and Faith falls into the truck. That, oh, really? that was this actress that did that. So, huh. Well, that is interesting. I mean, I think, you know, her fight work looked great to me. But, uh... Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it looked good. Um I guess we should give we should give her credit for her physicality in the episode. I mean, the character is kind of a nothing character, but like you said, the the daredevil of it all <laughs> was kind of fun. Kind of, mm-hmm. uh, I think it did a good job of showcasing how Angel is able to size up the the weaknesses of his opponent. Yeah, pretty quickly because it didn't take him more than you know a couple exchanges to figure out what was going on with her. And if that he sat perfectly still, he could get the drop on her. Yeah. Also, maybe uh, we never see this on camera. Like we never see a moment where angel motions to Lindsay to stay down. And so just based on what we get on screen, I have to assume that Lindsay also keyed into that. I mean, probably he saw what angel was doing and figured it out, but that fight goes on for a little while after after angels figured it out and Lindsay is just sort of in the background also holding very still. So mm-hmm. just a little credit to the punk boy, Lindsay. Yeah. Oh. All right. Well, let's transition into okay. uh, the season finale to Shanshu in LA. And um, one of the bits of this episode 
Well, okay. So originally aired May 23rd, 2000, written and directed by David Greenwald. Um, and one of the, one of the elements of this episode is Wesley's continued continuing struggle to decipher those scrolls. And mm-hmm. specifically uh, it's come down to this word Shanshu and he spends the entire episode uh, trying to figure out what language that's in and how it translates and what it means. And um, he originally comes up with, you know, it means to die. Yeah, and we, we can talk, word. we can talk about the effects that this has on the characters, but I just want to point out that um, I, I don't remember my experience with this on first airing. So I don't know if I was clever enough to figure this out, but once you realize that the, the MacGuffin of the episode is, oh, what does the word Shanshu mean? And you look at the title to Shanshu in LA. I mean, if you know your movies, like your William Friedkin movies, you, you could probably figure <laughs> out, you could probably figure out what Shanshu means. Yeah. I, I can't believe I didn't get that. Um, but yes, of course I was actually, I was trying to figure that out because I know that, that it was a reference to some other movie, but I couldn't quite place it, but you are absolutely right. Yeah. <laughs> to live and die in LA. Yeah. Yeah. So there's but, a huge clue there, isn't there? Yep. Um, I just think it's, I, I think it's lovely in hindsight. Like I said, I don't remember if I was as on my game in 2000, but um, all right. So where do you want to start with this okay. one? Okay. Um, so there's some background stuff, some, you know, our story so far here. Mm-hmm. I, this may be the last appearance of David Nabbitt. No, I, we get him once in season two. Okay. Um, this is the most pathetic appearance of David Nabbitt, though. Yeah, this they're really playing up the nerdy. It's really, it's really rough. <laughs> It was really oh. rough for poor David. You guys want to hang? Oh, man. I feel David Nabbitt so hard. You should just get them, invite them to his D&D group. Right, then... exactly. <laughs> but they clearly have no idea. Um, except for Wesley. I think Wes is kind of into it. But... <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> I like Angel's response to that. Uh, you know Dungeons and Dragons? And Angel's like, I've seen a few. <laughs> yeah, that was and then, then it's Wes who knows. Actually, I think that's in the first episode. Yeah, it is. Where Wes knows that, oh, no, they're real. A real dungeon. Yeah. The yeah, demon yeah. brothel. That's right. That's right. That was, that was um, uh, so the, back to this one. Uh, the So talking about David Nabbitt. So, you know, the, they pull another one of those tricks that they love to pull where we see him sneaking into Angel Investigations. Uh, but we just see like in shadow or from the back or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's obviously someone wearing a long purple cape. Yeah. And I cannot remember. I don't remember if at that point we had already met Voca in the episode. No, we hadn't. We had okay. not. So there's clearly a parallel. Like here he is. Is he the dread yeah. figure? Uh, nope. We have another real dread figure. Right. I, I was, I just, I was, couldn't remember which came first, David, the fake out with David Nabbitt, or if we had seen Voca, because Voca, of course, is wearing a big, elaborate purple yep. uh, cloak. So I, I, I didn't remember if that was supposed to make us think that was uh, Voca, but I guess we yeah, haven't seen him yet. So. There's a straight, there's a cut from David in his cape to the chanting. Oh, okay. 
and the calling up of the hooded masked figure is um, unnamed for a while. Right. Um, we get uh, Kate back in this episode, uh, yep. which she's been pretty sparse in the back half of season one mm-hmm. uh, after the death of her father. Um She's still blaming Angel for the death of her father. I don't know why he can't convince her that he did not. Uh, yeah. I mean, t- to be fair, we haven't really seen him try that hard to convince her. In fact, I don't remember if we've seen him say, well, maybe like immediately after it happened, but there have been a couple times since that where she's confronted him and she's made some comment about, that and he's had an opportunity to say look that wasn't me i was trying to help him mm-hmm. but he doesn't he just because he's allowing her to have her anger and he doesn't want to sound like he's just trying to defend himself so yeah he says that at least one in this once in this episode I yes he's I, he's pushed he's pushed yeah. to it by the end of this episode and it's about time frankly but um uh i'd said before in an earlier episode of the podcast that i had i really had forgotten how long kate makes it through the mm-hmm. show um i i had i had zero memory that she continues on into season two yeah. i really thought that they had written her like her part was done by the time we got to the end of season one but um the fact that at this point she is still she's become very one note at this yeah. point like she's just the bitter angry like if the if the show was doing something with her that would be one thing but mm-hmm. at, at, by this point, all they're doing is having her step into the episode, into the occasional episode for a scene where mm-hmm. she's, where she's bitter and angry. And that's yeah. all, that's her only purpose right now. So. Yeah. No wonder she took that job on Law and Order. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. There's nothing for me to do here. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this is, it's this episode where, um, Cordy and Wes become really concerned that Angel has no purpose, yes. uh, no feeling of attachment, no reason, no attachment to um, to life. Right. I mean, not that vampires are really alive, but um, yeah. And Wes says uh, he's not upset about his prophesied death because he can't grow or change. He's um, so there's and there's nothing he wants. <laughs> that, see where Cordy's trying to interest him in a donut. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, Vampires don't eat donuts, Cordy. It's like <laughs> <laughs> it's never gonna work. So the season began. The series began with Doyle uh, being sent in to help him find a connection to the world. Like that was part yeah. of Doyle's mission. Was you know, you, you're so disconnected and you need to actually connect with these people to find a purpose in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's kind of, that was kind of just forgotten over the course of the season. And he really has fallen into uh, a pattern of just, you know, help the victim of the week and then go back to brooding in the basement and reading your book or mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. And so um, I'm glad that the, season finale that they bring that back at the very end and make it such a big deal, such an important yeah. thing. Um, I'm looking through my notes to see, Oh, Wesley has a line. It's ancient. It's an ancient sacred text, not a magic eight ball when Corey's trying to <laughs> get information out of the, 
prophecy. Yeah, she she actually shake it at one point. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Obviously, so man, there's so much that happens in this episode. Um, Kate is kind of dealt with, but not until the end. Um, I mean, we see her. She's brought back in just to stand in the alley and be judgmental when, when for some mm. reason the powers that be send send Cordy a vision about the homeless woman in the alley. I don't want to sound dismissive. That sounded really evil of me to say for some reason the powers that be cared about this homeless woman in an alley. But I just it's odd that with what's happening right then and there at that moment, that's the vision that Cordy gets. Yeah. Um But anyways, so you get the homeless woman who's like, you know, he saved me from one of their spies. And by the way, I don't appreciate the dental association watching me like that. That's Mm -hmm. a a good moment. Um, But then the tension between her and Angel is addressed by the end of the episode. Yeah. So that hopefully sets up something for her in season two, despite the fact that I have forgotten what that is. I mean, I I, I remember a little bit. I remember like the end of, of Kate, but. I had forgotten that that happened in season two. Uh, I think she is reconciled finally before yeah. she checks out. Yeah. Not literally, but before she <laughs> right. leaves the show. Um, we, uh, we get more um, fleshing out of, uh, no pun intended, maybe literally fleshing out of Wolfram and Hart. Yes. They're, and it seems when... It seems like when Lindsay got promoted, Lila seems to have kind of been pulled along with him because she's there in every scene. She, she's hanging out with him and Holland the whole time, which I don't think that had happened before. So no, I wonder if she stepped up into Lindsay's maybe previous position, whatever that was. Who knows? We don't really find out, but we'll we'll certainly learn more about her. And yes, the next absolutely. Uh, so yeah, we get the three of them. We get to see a little bit. It's always fun to see the banality of, of the evil and the, the rituals and everything when you're viewing it through the lens of a law firm Mm -hmm. with them going to the ritual and Holland being like, you never show up early. You know, you never show up (laughs) early. These chants go on forever. And then when they show up, he's like, Oh, they haven't even gotten to the Latin yet. (laughs) Um, uh, that kind of stuff's always fun. Uh, yeah. But uh, one of the big things we get in this is Voca, who the the summoned a demon who eventually gets the name Voca. Um, he goes on. He cleans house a little bit. Yeah. Um, we hear Lindsay say something about that prophecy, because apparently Wolfram and Hart had had a chance to look at that scroll before Angel stole it. Mm-hmm. Um, he says something about. And I can't, I didn't write this down, so I don't remember how he worded it, but there's something about Wolfram and Hart having been prophesied to sever all of Angel's connections that by, that by some point they would, they would have severed Angel's connections to the powers that be. Um, yeah, the, this is, um, Voka says that this scroll was supposed to be used for the raising. We don't know what that is yet, mm-hmm. but the scroll completes Angel's connection to the powers that be. So 
Voka says, forget it, you guys, you you bungle this, I will deal with it. And this is kind of a packed episode because there's all these steps that he has to go through yeah. or that he does go through to try to set Angel up to be separated from the scroll. Yeah. I don't know yeah, how he, uh, does all that, but I mean, for for kind of a forgettable I, for, speaking for myself he's kind of a forgettable villain like i almost i almost forget that there's even that he even has a role in this episode there are other things about this episode i remember and it's never oh the weird demon with the mask and the scythe yeah um but uh for being such a forgettable bad guy i mean he's he seems pretty formidable uh, yeah. because he manages to find a way to get in to see the oracles yep um and kills them which yep. this episode certainly makes it look like they're just apparently even though they're all <laughs> fancy and glittery and have the weirdest body paint in the history of any whedonverse show um they're just mortals <laughs> i know um, and uh I, I would like to point out that the sister oracle uh, becomes much more, uh, I don't know, she speaks much more plainly. She becomes much more <laughs> cogent after she's a ghost. She mm. was always very, I don't know, mysterious and, and higher power or whatever when she was actually one of the oracles. And now that she's dead, which, by the way, she doesn't like it very much. No. Uh, now that she's dead, she just talks. She just speaks plainly and answers she Angel's questions. <laughs> yeah, that's right. She just answers his questions directly. It was, very, it was very refreshing. They need to kill oracles yeah. more often, I guess. Um, and then, yes, so obviously that's one step to severing his connection yep. to the powers that be. Um, then Voka also needs to separate him from, well, the rest of the way from the powers that be by going after Cordy. But then Cordy and yep. Wesley are also his, what ties him, you know to this world. Yeah. So he deals with both of them in pretty gruesome ways. Let's start with Cordy. Um, who Cord, uh, charisma carpenter. I, I was watching the scene when she's first infected or whatever it is, when mm -hmm. he brushes past her and she starts screaming and writhing in pain. And I, I, I don't often think this when I'm watching a show and an actor has to do something outlandish or whatever in a public space. But this, in this moment, for some reason, I was like, I wonder what it was like to be Charisma Carpenter and to see this scene and realize you're just going to have to lose your mind <laughs> in the middle of this public park <laughs> or whatever. Uh, I mean, she's a professional. I'm sure she had no problem with it, but I would have found that very sure. awkward I mean, to do. Presumably uh, the, Everybody there was extras or something. I, mean, they they yeah. knew it yeah. was a. Um, I'm in. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. But uh, her yeah. performance there was great, and I feel like uh, it might be you know you might sort of brush it off as I mean she's just lying in a hospital bed, moaning or crying or whatever. How hard can that be? But again, as I've said many times on this podcast and any other where I have an opportunity to talk about this, it's the subtle acting that I tend to like the most. Mm -hmm. It's the stuff that actors do just like with uh, their facial movements or body language or just the way they move their eyes in a scene or whatever. And so even after she's finally been sedated, 
and she's lying in the hospital bed. Um, and you know, on the surface, it looks like she's just, she's just miserable and sort of crying and having a hard time of it. Uh, there's still stuff going on under the surface, like yeah. angels talking to her and she's not talking back, but you can see on her face that, uh, she's she's watching and experiencing all of this pain and suffering i don't know yeah. it was a, it was a i think it was cordelia's shining moment of the season in terms of like performance mm -hmm. and yes absolutely and really disturbing yes it's terrifying she's really going through something and that is the moment that really brings her uh, really brings angel to the realization that he needs her mm -hmm. in a way that he hadn't yeah. understood before. Yeah. In fact, he says to her, you know, I, I don't remember how he builds up to it, but he eventually says, I need you. Yeah. Um, and then shortly after that, he, the hospital staff says, are you family? And he says, yes. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. 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 But she, Initially, when he answered the phone, he said he wasn't her employer. Employer, that's right. And he, she has no family. She doesn't have family here, yeah. Yeah, but when he gets, when he gets to the hospital, he says, "I'm her family." Yeah. Man, why didn't that hit me? Now that just just talking about that line, I'm like, oh, that's really that's really a rough. I I wish that it had sort of impacted me this way when I was watching the that scene when he like answers the phone and you know what the call is and he says, "No, she doesn't have any family here." my thought should have been ouch angel yeah yeah what's up man um and then that shocking explosion oh man oh man <laughs> wesley wesley um yeah i uh, as i've often said i don't really have the strongest memories of what my first viewing of this was was like but I do remember being horrified at the notion that did they really just kill Wesley? You can't be serious right now. Um, I swear that I remembered we got a shot of like the, the, the countdown, like the ticking bomb or whatever. We don't. Uh, for some reason, I'd swear I remembered like Wesley opening that and looking in and seeing the bomb ticking down or whatever before he runs away. But yeah, obviously I'm misremembering kind of that. Picking noise, but I don't think there's yeah a view of the bomb. Yeah, which Weird. is kind of a cool choice. I mean, mm -hmm. obviously I've been conditioned by years and years of Hollywood to expect you look at the bomb, you see it counting down, you run away. So even yeah. though they didn't show that, it's in my head. I see it in my head. <laughs> it must have been there. It must have been there. Um, but yeah, that explosion was something else uh mm. supposedly rumor has it that the production uh the production team had gotten bored with the sets with just the same angel yeah. investigation set they you know they didn't it wasn't interesting to them to work in anymore yeah. and i'm sure much more than that went into the decision to blow it up but that was certainly on the table when they decided to blow it up they were like yes let's just blow this all up and start from start over from scratch well, I have to admit that it does seem a little um, cramped and yeah. uh, crowded. Yeah. Um, so, I, yeah, once they get to the Hyperion. And I was going to say, especially compared do, to where they end up. <laughs> yeah, it's much, much better yeah. in so many ways. Yeah. Um, but even just on a technical level, the the 
they obviously spent time and money on that mm-hmm. explosion. Well, of course, it's your season finale. You want yeah. to, you know, blow some stuff up. Yeah, of course. Um, okay, so all that yep. happens. And then... Yeah. Okay, we another appearance by Gunn here, where, yes. again, the angel... Uh, changing, he tells Gunn, those people mean a lot to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the connections, mm-hmm. he's, he's gaining those human connections that he did not, it, at least didn't admit that he had before. Yeah. They did a lot, there was a lot to do in this episode, so I understand why this didn't happen, but I kind of wish that we had gotten at least one scene, one moment of seeing Gunn actually at the hospital. Yes. Actually, like, protecting them. I mean, in a perfect world, someone would have tried to come to the hospital and Gunn would have gotten to fight them off or whatever, but there was no way there was time for that in this episode. Uh, In fact, I think that's a thing. I think that comes back um, next season, probably the first episode of next season. I think there's something about how Wesley and Cordelia didn't even know, didn't even know he had ever been there. uh, But... I might be imagining that. Uh, yeah. So then we get the, oh, I, I did want to comment the scene of Angel standing over Wesley in the hospital room. Uh-huh. Plays way differently than the next time we see Angel standing over Wesley in a hospital room. <laughs> yeah. I mean, here Angel is just establishing the beginnings of that trusting uh, relationship that and friendship that I'll have with Wesley that yeah some seasons from now will just be ripped to shreds yeah man I I was just thinking today that as excited as I have been to get to Angel I'm almost dreading <laughs> I'm almost dreading going through the pain of watching that relationship again. Yeah. But, but I mean, Wesley has such, such a road to travel. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's, there's great and horrible stuff, but it's all great. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So the, the big fight at the end, the um, raising, the raising, yeah. um, <laughs> again, I feel like I've commented on this before. But mm-hmm. many times when this show, when these shows have their, their, uh, you know, protracted rituals and chants or whatever the, the, you know, the ritual serving of pie or whatever, I can't remember what that is. <laughs> um, a lot of times, I mean, early in early seasons of Buffy, I, I let it go, but as the show kept going and going, uh, I was like, man, can we just stop having cheesy magic chants that include someone just repeating the word rise, rise, rise <laughs> over and over again? Uh, I just, I don't know. I want my, if there's going to be a magic chant that has to happen, it should be, at least make it all in Latin for crying out loud. Or Greek. Come on, do something unusual. Make, make it, it all Greek. in Latin here. Yeah. Uh, it's not all Latin. They, the oh. Uh, the Lindsay has to step in. Yeah, yeah. Lindsay has to step in and do the the Latin part that Holland wished yeah. that they had gotten to miss. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so the weird thing about the big final confrontation here is that, again, the the demon Voka is almost secondary. Because mm-hmm. we don't see an awful lot of the fight between Angel. Like, Voka's only purpose in that scene is to keep Angel away from Lindsay. Like, is to give Lindsay a chance to be the one that finishes this yeah. ritual. Uh-huh. Um, so, I mean, you hear a lot of clashing metal and grunts and stuff in the background, but you don't see an awful lot of the actual fight. Yeah, I think if, if well, and one thing it shows, though, is that Lindsay is fully committed now yeah. to to Wolfram and Hart. Um, if he hadn't stepped in to continue the, the spell, then Angel's attack on Voka might have, might have worked, might have been effective. But yeah, Lindsay... Yeah is fully committed here. So he steps in, grabs the book and says, shut up, you know, go on. I'm going to, and he's, he takes up the spell. So the fight, you're, you're right. It is kind of secondary, mm-hmm. but angels committed to it now. So, yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. So the ritual happens and something happens and we don't immediately know what it is. You assume it's bad because Holland is like, all right, let's get this out of here. Like they're involved. So it's got to be bad, but we don't really get to know what it is. Yeah. Um, And then of course we get the confrontation between Angel and Lindsay. Over the scroll. Over the scroll. Um, Yeah. How, how, how does that scene play for you? Uh, Yeah. Cements Lindsay's commitment to Wolfram and Hart here. Mm-hmm. You know, he's threatening to burn the scroll. I have to, I did, it did occur to me that Angel was incredibly lucky that the scroll didn't just fall into the fall, fire. Yeah, I thought that too. <laughs> I thought that too. Um, but yeah, um, but also Angel's fully committed too. I mean, he's, he's not. Kind of, he's not holding back here. Uh, but yeah, that's quite a moment. You could say he held back a little because he could have just killed Lindsay. Could have just killed Lindsay. <laughs> could have just yeah. thrown that scythe right into his face and not cut off his hand. But yeah. uh, one of the things, one of the most visceral things about that scene for me, like every time I watch it, is uh, Christian Kane's performance. Mm-hmm. Um, you see any number of film or television examples of like characters getting a hand chopped off. And I think most of the time, like when it happens, you know, the character will scream in pain. And then the next time you see him in the scene, they're just sort of clutching it. And then in many cases, they're just going on as if, Oh, well, I guess I only have one hand now. Um, uh, Christian Kane, like really sold the pain and trauma of suddenly having his hand just blasted off of his body like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. That made that a little more visceral. I think if he had underplayed that, it would have been just another, oh, great. Now we get another character missing a hand. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, a really underrated actor. And just, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm. he's been lots of fun to watch in uh, Leverage. Leverage, absolutely. Um, and any, anything else he's in, I will watch, so. Yes, agreed. And then finally we get the reinterpretation of the prophecy. Yes, yes. So, so 
I mean, the big thing that we're going to have to talk about before we're out of here, obviously, is the larger context of the scroll and the prophecy and everything that that means. So uh, Wesley takes another stab. Sorry, Lindsay, not to be disrespectful. Wesley (laughs) takes another stab at uh, interpreting or translating, and he comes up with, and I think it might be a little bit of a stretch, and I feel like future seasons bear that out. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way he, the hoops he jumps through to get there, but uh, he finally asserts that um, the word was written to mean both live and die. And so when it's talking about a vampire, what they're saying is that, uh, you know, after after you go through X number of trials and tribulations and, and five apocalypses and so on, uh, you'll get to be human. Mm-hmm. So I feel like as seasoned Buffy slash angel fans, um, there are probably two ways that we have to respond to this on the one okay. hand, on the one hand, uh, okay. Just speaking for myself on the one hand, within the context of this episode in this season, oh. just by itself, that's a really beautiful moment following yeah. all of the, the, doubt and darkness that angel has had particularly towards the end of the season to get that carrot dangled for him or whatever, I think is a really lovely moment. Mm-hmm. Um, he almost it, smiles here. He <laughs> does. He does. Yeah. So he had zero reaction, n- no reaction at all to being told initially that it meant, uh, angel was going to die. Right. Um, didn't even bat an eyelash. Uh, but now when he's, when he's told that what it actually means is you're going to finally, you know, be redeemed and you get to be human again. Obviously that affects him. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the, so the second way that we can and maybe should look at it and have, I'm sure ad nauseum over the course of the, the many, many years of scholarly work on this subject uh, is the question of how thematically uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for. I was going to say, I was going to say significant and that's not what I mean. How thematically appropriate is it to dangle a carrot for angel in order to get him to do good? Uh-huh. Um, I think angel was going to do good anyway. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, this is something he says to gun earlier you know, Gunn says, what's your, what's our purpose here? Um, and Angel says, what else am I going to do? I mean, mm-hmm. Angel has been doing good right, all this time. It's an Angel's response to that is what else am I going to do? I mean, he's not, unless he becomes Angelus, mm-hmm. which could happen. Um, we did We didn't even mention the fact that at one point in one of these episodes, he introduces it. Oh, it was in Warzone when he kills yeah. that vampire. He drops his name as Angelus, and I'm sure he was just doing that to get a to get a reaction from the other vampires. But even yeah. so, I was like, "Whoa, hang on now." I mean, we, and this has been discussed too—the idea that there's Angelus is always kind of there. Yeah, um, that's one way of looking at Angel. Is it? Yeah, it's always kind of tamped down. But I mean, that's the decision Angel's made. That's how he copes with having a soul. Mm-hmm. Is, this is his re- reparations. Um, 
but so I don't view it as a carrot exactly, but as kind of a purpose. Is that like, like what is it? The question of what is it all for? I mean, this is something that he's, you know, he's dealt with a lot mm-hmm. and we won't get, I think we won't get the, if nothing we do matters, then all that matters is what we do. We won't get that for a while, but um, he, he won't get to that revelation for a while, but he, he needs to have a, a sort of a connection to the yeah. world. Yeah. So I think that's what this gives him. It's like, I mean, I, yeah. I guess we could view it as a carrot. But. No, I, I agree with you. Like, ultimately, I come down on the side of this isn't, uh, you know, this doesn't ultimately cheapen Angel's uh, destiny or, or purpose. This do, this doesn't sort of lessen what Angel is doing, has been doing, and mm-hmm. will continue to do. Um it's just because it plays out at the end of a season, it it feels like, oh, well, here is the reason for Angel to go on. And it kind of is because he is in a dark place right now. And of course, in season mm-hmm. two, he gets in a he really gets in a dark really place. Um, but I think you're right. I think it's uh, it's not necessarily. Um, see, here's a reason why you need to continue to help people so that you can be a person, too. Um mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think it's just a way to quicken him. I think it's just a way to, to, to give him some semblance of hope so that he doesn't, uh, so that he can continue to do what he's been doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yes, obviously over the course of the next four seasons, uh, we see him, I mean, it, you know, rises and falls, but we do see him progress to the, through the stages of what does this prophecy really mean? Who's this prophecy really for? And ultimately gets to the place where he always was meant to go, which is the, if nothing we do and it matters, then all that matters is what we do, which, you know, uh, let's go to work is the, the <laughs> purpose of the show. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's why for, for new listeners who, don't care that they're being spoiled. I mean, that is like, that is like the message of the show. And that's, uh, that's really why this moment, the introduction of this scroll is so significant to the, the arc for angel and Mm -hmm. the other characters as well going forward. Yeah. And also there's, there's so much, I mean, the way Wesley sets it out, so many things have to happen first. Right. It's you know, it's not like you're going to flip a switch. <laughs> yeah. You know, which, which I almost, of these three easy steps. <laughs> yeah. I almost felt like, um, that Wesley saying, cause, cause a couple of times he stresses, you know, after many trials or like he, he, <laughs> he says, you know, it's, this is not going to be flipping a switch or whatever. Yeah. I felt like that was almost directed at the audience to either to kind of let people know um, this is still going to be a serialized show. Like we're still going <laughs> to, there's still going to be bad guys to fight and all that. So don't, don't think that this is now the driving purpose of every episode going forward. This, this might not even happen before the show ends. So. That's right. Before we get canceled. 
Yeah, before we get canceled. Yeah. Uh, well, the 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 what, scroll. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. You want to talk about what's in the box? Hang on. Before want... we before we get to that, I just wanted to talk yes. about how the this the so the scroll of a Bergian. It's kind of confusing the way they refer to it because it is the scroll of a Bergian, mm-hmm. um, and it's kind of the multi-tool of like yeah. magical magical text. Yeah. So it's it's got it's a uh, so it contains the prophecies of a Bergian and the Shanshu prophecy, which I don't know if that's part of the prophecies of Bergian or if it's a separate thing going forward, they only ever call it the Shanshu prophecy, but yeah, whatever. Um, it also has the words of Anatole, which managed to, to pull Cordy back um, uh, in the ritual. So it contains the ritual they used for the right, for the raising and also it was implied that it physically needed to be there. Like they couldn't just memorize the spell and then recite it. It had to actually be there. Yeah. That's weird. Isn't it? Um, and it's, uh, it's suggested also in a physical way as if it is, as long as it is an angel's possession, like he can't just know what's in the scroll. He has to have the scroll, hmm. uh, to play, to act as a component to his connection to the powers that be. Yeah. Um, and of course, it also has a lovely little medieval drawing of a dragon. Oh, that's right. I didn't notice that. but Which yeah. comes back later yes. on. So. Well, yeah. And of course, that whole container will be a key component. Yes. In his. Uh, in the set for the next. That's right. Several. In fact. I mean, there's there's a hundred different fan wanks you could come up with to explain why this isn't really a big deal, but it's ultimately revealed that this isn't even the original. That this, oh, is, a, I about that. That this is a copy. The original turns up much later in the series. Um, <laughs> so, uh, do you just need a copy? Can a copy work for all those things? Obviously, it can because the raising ritual worked. Yeah. But anyways. Yeah. It- to me to wonder why nobody ever tries to steal it back from him uh, all right yeah oh. yeah um okay yeah let's talk about the box <laughs> so what? what was in the box what was in the box was it really just gwyneth paltrow's head <laughs> spoilers for a 20 year old movie no okay so what was in the box then darla Yes, that girl. Incredible. That's why they needed all those vampires. To... Yeah. Um. So I have to wonder what people. I'm sure most people that were watching Angel came to it because they were also watching Buffy. Oh yeah. But there had to have been some people that just tuned into Angel. I don't know because they liked the actor, yeah. whatever, and yeah. had no background for it. So, okay, they were still on the same network here in season one. Yes, so they were, and, and they were airing back to back, back to back. Yeah. Um, but I'm I'm and just I saying think... uh, there has to have been at least one person in the world that watched this, and then when Darla popped up, um, I mean they would have recognized her because she has been on this season already. We've had flashbacks with Darla. Flashbacks. So yeah. so even only people people who've only watched Angel would know who Darla was. But I just wonder if the significance of that 
uh, really sank in for everybody because of course the larger context is Darla has been, was killed a long yes. time ago, way back in season one. Was it season one yeah. of Buffy? Yeah. He's killed in season one. Um, of Buffy. Yeah. So everything that we've seen of Darla ever since the first season of Buffy has been, have, has been in flashbacks. Mm-hmm. And so obviously the significance of this moment is this is not a flashback. This is, they've managed to bring, they've managed to undust Darla. Um, so what is that going to, what is that going to mean? Where's this, where are they going with this? So I would say they're still trying to separate Angel from the powers of be. Yeah. That's their ultimate purpose. And they're still, they're still working on it. So. I'll allow it, but they better be going somewhere with this. I don't know. Just talk. I I said, I'll allow it, but they better be going somewhere with this. I was talking like a lawyer. (laughs) Um, They're going to season two. They're going to season two. That's the So, yeah, uh, good stuff coming up for Darla, um, for Julie Benz, who, uh, if I remember correctly, she said that when she got the script, she didn't immediately... She wasn't immediately aware of the significance. Like she, she just knew she'd been in episodes before. So when they told her you're going to be in the season finale, she was like, "All right, cool." And I, I don't know at what point it sank in for her that what this meant is, "Oh no, you mean I'm, I'm actually back. <laughs> I get to actually be in the show again. I got gotcha. you." Okay. Yeah. Uh, but it's very cool, and I, I, there's some weird and glorious stuff coming up. In the next season for Darla. Yeah. Uh, she plays a very, very important role in developments that shape the series going forward. Yeah, I I think I would say that Angel season one is a, a lot of setup. It's like, okay, what are we doing here? What is this? What is this series about? Mm-hmm. Angel's finding a purpose, as we talked about before. And I think season two is where the sort of like with Buffy season two is where this show really finds footing and it's a very dark season. Yes. (laughs) But it, it really has a, a through narrative and yeah. And season, season two of angel runs concurrently with season five of Buffy. There's several crossover episodes that are, key yeah um although importantly as uh listeners would know if if they heard me talk last time uh no more buffy (laughs) angel will will go over to buffy i think two i think twice more Uh uh-huh um actually i think this week the week that this aired uh this aired alongside uh the yoko factor Mm -hmm. uh i think and angel crossed over there. So I think Angel was actually in Buffy maybe the week that one of these episodes aired. I don't remember. Huh. Uh and then he and then obviously he comes back for the series finale of Buffy. But Buffy never comes back onto Angel. So people like yeah. me are happy about that. Maybe not everybody. But people <laughs> people like me are very happy about that. Um all right. Uh, anything else in here that we we 
need to mention, I'm looking at these fun quotes that I had. Lila has a great line where she says, uh, when she turns to Lindsay and says, remember when Robert Price let the senior partners down and they made him eat his liver? I don't know what made me think of that. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's quite a few lines that indicate just how uh, terrifying and paranoid making it is to work at Wolfram at Heart. Yeah. In yeah. all of in these three episodes or the last two episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is, is there anything else? I that's about all I had. So okay. um, I enjoyed rewatching these episodes. And um, don't have uh, you're. I don't think you ever signed up for any Angel. I don't think I did. Um, I don't. I don't know what the rest of the schedule looks like. But uh, it's kind of Swiss cheese. Yeah. If well, there's... if you send it to me and I I can see what where the um, uh, open spots are, I can okay my schedule and see what where maybe I can fill in some. Absolutely. Absolutely. I will, uh, you'll, you'll get the conversations signal again. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll send, I'll send up the flag again <laughs> for you to be sure. Okay. Um, yeah. anyways, is there anything, uh, on our way out the door here as we close the casket on this conversation? Is there, uh, there's so many metaphors I'm throwing out here. It's embarrassing. Is there anything that you want to let listeners know? Have you any recent publications or anything like that? Um, I'm trying to think. I'm no, it's been kind of a tough year to try to write mm. coherent things. Um, so we'll see. I'm going to, I hope I'll be at um, the popular culture association talking about the new boom studios uh, buffy comics oh, okay yeah um yeah. so we'll see that's supposed to happen in new orleans so if we don't if we're not all dead yeah <laughs> so. yeah well that's awesome or would w will they do virtual if something happens or is it uh, they, they might they we'll might. see okay. i haven't heard anything about it yet so we'll see how things are going all right well, that's cool. Good luck with that. Keep me posted. Um, yeah. Of course, I'll include uh, a link in the show notes to the the other uh, book of yours that we've already mentioned, uh, Buffy Goes Dark, essays mm -hmm. on the final two seasons of Buffy the Vampire Slayer on television. Um, Thanks. And yeah, I edited that with uh, James V. South and Lynn Edwards. Yes. Which, you know, I'm just going to, in case you talk to James regularly, mm -hmm. I don't know if you do. Um, We're he, Facebook friends. Okay. I mean, I, I, I see him on Facebook occasionally, but man, I, he signed up for a bunch of episodes at the very beginning of this project. So his name is sort of all over my list. And I, I'm almost positive. He signed up for some angel stuff, but he was, he joined me for maybe just one episode, mm -hmm. one or two, but I think maybe just once early on and then i have never ever been able to get in touch with, like i've never been able to get him to respond so i just kind of assumed he didn't he didn't care to do podcasts anymore but just in case i don't know he's not been getting my messages next time you talk to him if you just mention hey there's still that podcast thing happening if you're interested okay because um, i'd love oh, to have him back on I think he's been um, dealing with some health issues so okay okay that may be why he's yeah i didn't i stopped pushing it because i figured 
either I've forgotten how to get in touch with him or, you know, he's got a life going on, so I don't want to bug him. But anyways, James, if you're listening, you're welcome back anytime, my friend. But anyways, Elizabeth, thank you so much for coming back for the first time to Angel. (laughs) For Angel. Um, And I will have you back again. Uh, In the meantime, thank you everybody at home for listening. you can find links to this and all of our past episodes at the website conswithdead.com. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. Uh, while you're there, please rate us or write us a review. That um, that feeds the algorithm, algorithm beasts uh, and puts this podcast in front of fresh eyes and ears. If you've got questions for me or for any of my guests, or if you'd just like to join the conversation, you can drop us an email at conswithdead at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at conswithdead, or reach out to us on Facebook at Conversations with Dead People. Uh, next time, I will be joined by uh, Melanie Scala, a friend of the show, who also has not been on for quite some time. Uh, this will be her first Angel appearance as well. Uh, she'll be coming back for the first three episodes of Angel Season 2, Judgment are you now or have you ever been which is another kind of biggie and uh, first impressions so uh, until then remember if nothing we do matters then all that matters is what we do Music. When the fuse is lit and I know